I would venture to say that most of you know someone who has recently walked away from the church. A friend, a family member, a co-worker. The stories seem to be piling up more than usual these days. So much so that as the church, we had better ask why. What's going on? Why are so many people, especially young people, the so-called millennial generation, people in their late 20s and 30s, who are still in love with Jesus, but who want nothing to do with the church? It's far too easy to place the blame at their feet. These millennials, they're so entitled, so idealistic, no wonder they live in a state of constant disappointment. And on top of that, their antagonistic attitude toward authority figures and traditional institutions make them incorrigible, a lost cause. There. That makes us feel better. But not only is that way too easy, it's also much too lazy. A lazy explanation that frees us, the church, from doing some deep introspection. Now, I know it's no fun taking stock of ourselves, but... Perhaps these millennial walkouts are providing us with an opportunity to do exactly that, to take a hard look in the mirror. I wonder what we would see. What would these millennials point out to us? Do you know? Do you speak with them? Do you talk with them? Do you follow them online? Do you read their books or listen to their music? They're definitely not silent about what they're feeling. Angry, yes. Hurt, deeply but not silent. It's just a question of whether we're listening. One millennial artist puts it this way at the beginning of one of his songs entitled Citizens. He writes, I have a heart full of questions quieting all my suggestions. What is the meaning of Christian in this American life? I'm feeling awfully foolish spending my life on a message I look around and I wonder ever if I heard it right. And then later he sings, How can we call ourselves Christians, saying that love is a tension between the call of the, cro- of the cross and between the old party line? Clearly the words of someone disillusioned with the church. Another millennial posted these words about their experience with the church, saying, I'm struggling with going to church because too many of those in the church feel too safe spewing hatred. If those who are different cannot be treated with dignity and justice and respect from the church, then I can't be a part of that church. Now, no doubt, there are an array of reasons for this current exodus. You certainly can't pin this down on one factor alone, but... At least from my experience, I am hearing an overarching theme. Look, they are saying, look at this huge disconnect between what the church says they believe and what the church actually does. You say that being a Christian means adopting the ways of Jesus. You say that being a Christian means caring for the poor and giving to those in need and drawing close to the marginalized, the immigrant, and the homeless You say that being a Christian means that we should care about the morality of our politicians. You say that being a Christian means we shouldn't seek after power, 
that like Jesus, we are to serve others instead of lord it over them. You say that being a Christian means we shouldn't retaliate or cry out for revenge, but should turn the other cheek. And you say that being a Christian means we are to join Jesus in his work of reconciliation and justice. You, you say all these things, and then you go out and do something else. And so I'm feeling awfully foolish right now, spending my life on a message when I look around and I wonder if I ever heard it right. And so off they go. We are three weeks now into a sermon series we are calling A Community of Practices. A series designed to shift our thinking on the church. To help us rethink what it means to be the church in light of the New Testament, especially in that popular description of the early church found at the end of Acts chapter 2. And what we have discovered is that the church is first and foremost, so as our title says, a community of practices. A community devoted to living together in a way that demonstrates our allegiance to Jesus. That is to say that the church is meant to share a common way of life, a life of practices, practices rooted in our submission to Christ. If the millennial generation can teach us anything, it can teach us that the modern-day church has forgotten this. That when forced to choose between the way of the cross and the old party line, the church too often goes with the latter, by simply affirming some doctrinal position on the cross and then living its life according to the old party line. That the church is much more interested in preserving a certain nostalgic slice of American culture or in preserving its grip on a certain political party or in preserving an economic arrangement that benefits us the most. Instead of preserving the Jesus way of life among us as a people, right? I think that's somewhat how a millennial would put it. And I think, in large part, they're spot on. We have forgotten that the church is primarily a community of practices, right? Last week, we explored the first set of these practices that we are all meant to perform together. Practices of common prayer. We learn that these practices are centered on our weekly worship around word and sacrament, but that, they, but that they're also intended to spill out in other countless ways as, as, a community, as we as a community pray together on a regular basis. Practices of common prayer prayer that should mark our lives together. Today, we consider the second set of practices we are meant to perform together as the church, practices of common catechesis. Cata what, <laughs> you say? Well, catechesis, uh, it's a fancy word I chose for several reasons. One, because it comes from a Greek word that means training or instruction, used eight times in the New Testament. Second, because the word catechesis has this uh, ancient feel to it, doesn't it? As early on, the church would prepare those who wanted to become a Christian over a period of, get this, one to three years, a period of instruction, also called a period of catechesis. 
And third, because the word catechesis isn't a word we normally use, and so it needs some unpacking, some further explanation. And so what do we mean when we say we must, as a church, devote ourselves to practices of catechesis? Well, to answer this correctly, I believe, is what millennials are longing for the most from the church. That we would not just say we believe certain things, that we would just not learn how to articulate our beliefs, but that we would actually instruct one another in living them out. That is true catechesis. When Jesus gave his last commission to his followers, he did not say... Make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them to know everything I have commanded. That's not what he said. He said by teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. That is catechesis. You know, when Paul says twice in his letter to the Romans, once at the beginning and once at the end, that his primary objective as an apostle is to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles, That is what he's talking about, catechesis, training communities to live out the radical ways of Jesus. In fact, you could argue that all of Paul's letters, along with the rest of the New Testament, that's their purpose, isn't it? Not just teaching these new churches what to know, not just teaching them what to believe, but how to live under the rule of King Jesus on the ground in everyday life. Even that phrase in our passage from Acts that says the early church, quote, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, while that's certainly a reference to their time of gathered worship, it also points to the fact that they were training each other to live according to the lifestyle of Jesus, which is why we see that the rest of the passage goes on to describe this radical way of living as a community, right? Listen, catechesis is not just reading a book on how to sail, It's hitting the water in a sailboat with an experienced skipper as your guide. Catechesis is not just learning more facts about biology and medical science. It's a residency program where you assist in performing surgeries alongside experienced doctors, right? It's learning on the ground in the midst of life. I'm telling you, this is a much-needed corrective for our time. Because when people think of catechesis or discipleship, they think of being told what to believe. Here's a question. Let me tell you the right answer. In fact, most catechisms are even set up this way in a question and answer format. Here's what we believe. That's great, right? That's not the full scope of catechesis. That's just step one. The end game of the church is not teaching a people what to believe, but how to live. Beliefs are important, yes, but the church is not, first and foremost, a community of beliefs. It's a community of practices, which means our beliefs always are meant to serve our common life together, our practices. I mean, think about this. Can we truly know and share what the atoning work of Christ means for our lives if we are also not a people who forgive when someone does us wrong, right? We cannot just preach forgiveness or believe in forgiveness. We must do forgiveness because we are a community of practices. Unfortunately, the church today has become obsessed with merely defining itself by its beliefs. 
exerting our very best energies on sorting out and categorizing these beliefs and arguing about them. And then, of course, our favorite thing to do is police these beliefs, all in the face of God's invitation to practice them as an offering for the world. It happens a lot when someone discovers that I'm a priest. They pull me aside, eager for the rush of a theological exchange. Where do you land on this issue? What are your thoughts about this doctrine? What do you think about those who believe differently? I find that there's always plenty of energy poised to parse out and wrangle over this belief or that belief. But if I were to turn the discussion to what it should look like to live out our beliefs within a community of practices, within a local church, the energy goes flat. Right? Or if I asked someone about their own church involvement and what, it, what does it look like to immerse yourself in this community? It's a blank stare. No, 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 I, I, don't, I don't want to do any of that. I just like talking theology. Well, that's a problem, right? Nothing wrong with talking theology. Nothing wrong with wrestling with and learning hard truths and doctrines. Putting practices at the forefront of the church should never relativize beliefs. Rather, it should put them in their place. It's our beliefs that serve our practices so that we might become the body of Christ broken for the life of the world. So then, what specifically should we be doing in our practices of catechesis? What does it look like for the church to catechize one another, to train one another on how to live? Well, yes, to state the obvious, our common catechesis will include the study of Scripture, right? Always making the story of Jesus our main focal point. I mean, what we know and believe about God and how he's at work in the world through Jesus and the Spirit, this is of critical importance. But as I've been saying, there's much, much more to catechesis than Bible studies. Catechesis also means that we train and instruct one another on how to live through things like mentoring relationships, intentionally engaging the questions of our children, admitting when we don't know things. It's participating in reflection groups, opening ourselves up to healthy debate and deliberation on how to wisely live in this world. Think about our reading from Proverbs, teaching wisdom. We train each other, get this, we train each other out there in the world as we learn the best ways for caring for the poor among us. As married couples compare notes on how to serve their spouses as Christ serves the church. As we get involved in each other's lives, striving to be vulnerable and honest, constantly discerning together. What does it mean to be faithful to Jesus in this context, in that context, in that context? That's wisdom, right? It's wisdom. It's not a blind formulaic game of just applying rules. It's learning to follow Jesus wisely in our time and place. This is our common catechesis. Training each other to live the ways of Jesus, to obey everything, everything that he commanded. And you bet this will be messy. You bet there will be disagreement and hurt feelings. Because like all the other practices of the church, these are highly relational activities. We are a community of practices. We do things together, right? And so things are going to get messy. But it's the only path. 
It's the only path. The church is not a helpful thing for your spiritual journey. It is the journey. Through our practices of common prayer, through our practices of common catechesis, and then two more sets of practices we will talk about in the coming weeks. We are a community of practices. You know, there will always be, for whatever reason, people who walk away from the church. But Lord, have mercy. May it never be because All Saints isn't doing everything we can to train one another to live out our allegiance to Christ. May it never be because this church wasn't completely sold out to practices of common catechesis. Will you join us? Will you join us? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are transforming us from the inside out as a community that devotes itself to shared practices especially practices of catechesis where we not only learn more about your truth and your ways in the world, but we train each other on how to live and apply those out in our daily lives, which is complicated, which is messy. So give us the strength and diligence and perseverance that we need to go about this hard work, to not get sidetracked and pursue other things, but to continue to pursue Christ and his kingdom come among us and what that looks like in this time and in this place. Be generous with your Holy Spirit, we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.